Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. With the vote count in Israel's parliamentary elections formally over and published in the official Gazette, the focus has shifted to the president's house here in the nation's capital, where Reuven Rivlin, due to retire in three months, consults with the 13 parties elected to the incoming Knesset, Hebrew for Parliament, in order to settle on a nominee able to form a viable coalition. Several candidates are jockeying for power, and if they all fail, the country will be subjected inevitably to a fifth election campaign in a little over two years. To analyze this topic, we are joined from the central city of Bechemish by former Knesset member Dov Lipman, who is the Secretary General of the Confederation of United Zionists. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Also joining us from the southern city of Be'er Sheva is Dr. Jonathan Freeman, who is a political scientist at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you very much. And with me here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and host of Watchmen Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a, a broader understanding. We've already discussed uh, twice post during the election, post-election, of course, also pre-election, uh, the variables of uh, what is about to happen. Have we analyzed it correctly, or are we now in a situation where we need to explain why we have mistaken ourselves? Well, our uh, viewers probably don't really remember that I was always correct and you all were always wrong. So I'll just uh, let them uh, remember dimly who said what when. That doesn't really matter. But um, yes, uh, the general trends were foreseen. And what we now have... Um, can be described as three zero-sum games being played concurrently. The first uh, zero-sum game is Netanyahu or not Netanyahu, Bibi or no Bibi. If Netanyahu gets it, obviously none of his contenders, competitors does. The other one is in the anti-Bibi camp. If Yair Lapid who um, has garnered the most votes in this uh, camp, get it, then all of his uh, competitors do not. And the third game is that if none of the contenders gets it, yes, we do go for a fifth round of elections in uh, less than three years. It seems as if Israel cannot kick the habit. People have gotten used to it. Um, uh, are getting a kick out of it rather than kick the habit. But as we are speaking now, it seems as if the chances for a government being formed by someone who is not Netanyahu are better than our having uh, fifth elections or Netanyahu uh, being able to uh, stay in power for the very reason that this is the common denominator of all the uh, medium or minor players, if Netanyahu is the only major one, um, being arrayed against him. I'd like to refer the next question to Dr. Freeman. You know, time and again, we've uh, gone to the polling stations uh, trying to elect uh, uh, the the party, if you will, uh, that uh, most represents us as Israelis. Yet. 
Uh, time and again, it seems that uh, everybody is uh, poised or more focused on replacing Netanyahu rather than identifying the fact that he repeatedly manages to secure the most mandates, except for one time uh, within the 120 seats available. And uh, yet all the smaller parties are still adamant that he should leave office. Why is that? Uh, when clearly the majority with uh, or the majority within the minority uh, of uh, votes uh, are not wavering from supporting Netanyahu for his uh, bid to be prime minister. So I think there's really a connection to what the public views uh, the leader that they want. I mean, if we look at the polls showing which of the uh, different candidates is more uh, an individual who people can see as the leader, uh, Netanyahu always takes that spot. I think that uh, in the end, there isn't really one inter- alternative to Netanyahu. So when we see various parties who are in this uh, pro-Netanyahu camp, I think they're also projecting a uh, consensus that there is in the in the public that uh, there might be a lot of issues and challenges when it comes to Netanyahu, but there is no other person who is available today. And I think that when we see the situation currently, when it comes to the uh, coronavirus, when it comes to Iran, when it comes to a new uh, president in the White House, the different challenges, I think that in the end, this can increase the support for the current leader and really increase the public's uh, desire for a leader that they can uh, follow. Indeed. Uh, Former Knesset member Lippmann, uh, your response to this? Well, the truth is, I mean, you're focusing on the number of mandates. Uh, and yes, Likud and, and Netanyahu's party gets the most mandates. But if we actually analyze it by the numbers and the results, and even this last election, there is a majority in the anti-Netanyahu camp. Uh, and we're a parliamentary system. And what matters is not which party gets the most votes, but uh, who could put together a coalition. We just have a unique situation where that anti-Netanyahu camp is made up of people who are very far to the right on security issues and parties that are to the left and including Arab parties. And they haven't found a formula to be able to manage to work together. So in theory, uh, if that anti-Netanyahu camp did have that ability to find a way on a formula to work together and figure out who would be prime minister, what would the policies be? How do we bridge the gap between right wing and left wing? That is actually the majority in Israel right now. And that's what keeps coming out uh, in these elections. Indeed. Mr. Oren, when I look at the political map, however, with what has been said by both uh, Dr. Um, uh, Freeman and former Knesset member Lippmann, you can't uh, but uh, ignore, uh, you cannot ignore, excuse me, the fact that in the, the camp that opposes the prime minister, on the one hand, you have a pure communist party sitting next to a pure capitalist party, and both of them not agreeing to sit, and, and vocally so, uh, together in any option of a coalition that would uh, potentially replace Netanyahu. So why would uh, we expect anything else than a fifth election unless somebody decides to, like in previous terms, uh, change the course of his uh, uh, election uh, pledges and join Netanyahu for yet another narrow uh, or minority government? Several election pledges, election campaign pledges, were contradictory to begin with. If you say, I will do 
everything in my power to avoid fifth elections, and then you add some other promise, which, if kept, will lead to these elections which you abhor so much, you must compromise. Something must give. And the uh, answer to your question is priorities. People have to prioritize their uh, wish list. Yes, they want to have either this uh, secular demand or the religious demand uh, on the opposite side. They want to have annexation or they, they want to have peace. It doesn't really matter. It all comes down to two questions. First of all, are they, the uh, people who are against Netanyahu, are they going to topple him once and for all? Presumably, he may uh, come back uh, in another uh, election sometime in the future. So are they going to coalesce and topple him? And if not, are they ready to be blamed for bringing the fifth elections upon Israel? Because if it um, uh, comes down to some uh, petty squabbling over who gets what, and then Israelis go to the polls and punish uh, those uh, who are supposed to be blamed for it, then it does not make any sense for them to insist on the demands. So um, if all of that happens, and there is another actor, which we only mentioned uh, in the introduction, the president, the president can decide, having heard all of the uh, parties, all of their representatives, and he's going to do it um, with a, a full and direct media broadcast of his consultations for the public to see, if he then decides, for instance, to let Yair Lapid go first, have the right of first refusal, it doesn't necessarily mean that he will be successful, but it does mean that all the uh, minor players will have to take uh, a seat backstage and either help Lapid or go down with him. This will clear their minds. So a week um, from now, almost a week, because uh, next Wednesday is when the president will make his choice, uh, we will know whether all of the jockeying for power that you mentioned uh, helped Benny Gantz or Gidon Saar or Naftali Bennett. And um, an educated guess is that Rivlin may give the uh, designation to Lapid and let the others play according to this uh, rule book. And if Lapid does not succeed in 28 plus 14 days, either the president uh, gives it to Netanyahu or the Knesset finds some other compromise or we will go to these elections. Indeed. Uh, Dr. Lippmann, are you, uh, excuse me, Dr. Freeman, uh, are you seeing uh, a reality in which, uh, for instance, New Hope uh, under Guidon Saar, uh, who also was joined by uh, Benny Begin, the, the son of the late uh, Menachem Begin, who was the, the prime minister in the uh, late 70s, who made the transformation from left to right uh, in uh, Israel's political spectrum, would they sit, sit together with Arab parties, including Islamists, who openly uh, uh, visit uh, people defined by the Israeli public and uh, uh, legal system as terrorists, 
would they agree to sit with those people at a time when they openly also pledge not to sit with them as much as they pledge not to sit with Netanyahu? Well, I think that's a very good question. I mean, if we look at what we've been talking about, the pro-Netanyahu camp and the anti-Netanyahu uh, camp, we have to ask the question, are those people who are anti-Netanyahu willing to sit with people maybe that are anti-Israel? What's more important, uh, being anti-Netanyahu or anti-Israel? Uh, I think that question is very important because in the end, even though we saw parties who were elected into the Knesset, into the Israeli parliament, uh, we can't be for certain sure that they will remi- remain united. And we saw it in the previous elections where even the blue and white people left different parties. So I think that even though we see these parties joining, we may see some sort of a reality where Netanyahu may have enough people with him uh, under the auspices of different parties. And when push comes to shove, they'll be leaving the party and joining his bloc. Uh, former Knesset member, let me in your position. I think it's important for those who are watching to understand that at the moment, Netanyahu has 52 members of Knesset that will be supporting him actively. And in theory, there's seven more with the right-wing Yamina party that could join that. That's 59. He's too short. I want people to understand how close this is. But at this point in time, next week, when they meet with the president on Monday and Tuesday, it's going to be 52. Lapid, more to the center-left, if he has the Arab parties with him, he could reach 55, still falling short. And I have to say, just my own assessment, I don't see either Naftali Bennett from Yamina or Gino Saar from New Hope joining together with that to put it over the line because they're not just thinking about this round. These are young people, relatively, who are thinking about being the future leaders of the right wing post-Netanyahu, and they're not going to be willing to sacrifice that just to be able to topple Netanyahu right now. And they will be sacrificing being the right wing leader if they join together with the very left wing parties and the Arab parties. So I don't see a way for them to be crossing that line. And therefore, just looking at the situation right now, unless Netanyahu somehow finds a way to bring two over to help him cross over to 61, uh, we are very much looking at a stalemate and are very much looking at heading towards the fifth election in the summer. Mr. Owen? Well, we have Freeman and Lipman and a straw man. And the straw man is the Arab member of Knesset, either from the Ram party, the Islamists, or from the joint list or whatever uh, was left of the disjointed joint list. Because Netanyahu already legitimized sitting with these parties, or even with the right-wing party in the Arab camp, Ram party, which outflanks the joint uh, list. And just to to carry the analogy to um, another realm, in the 1980s, under mostly Likud governments, Israel tried to build up Hamas as an alternative to the Palestinian uh, Liberation Organization, the Palestine Liberation Organization. Why? Because the PLO was nationalist, contended with Israel over territories, and there was a belief or an illusion that with religious movements, one can compromise or at least get some sort of uh, a ceasefire, an armistice, Hudna. And Hamas first started out as, as a welfare and religious services movement, which Israel helped. We know what happened next. Netanyahu is trying to sell his electorate 
the idea that he can uh, base a government on some cooperation with the Israeli Islamists because all they care about will be budgets and improvements for their own society. If, even though the fact of the matter is they are uh, actively aspiring to be a part of the Ahwan, the Muslim Brotherhood. Indeed. Uh, and allowing them to partake in a nationalist party would be a little contradictory to but, the ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood, which may receive its directives from the headquarters of the Muslim Brotherhood in Turkey. Yes, but, but um, Netanyahu knows all of that, but he clings to power and he has legitimized the negotiations with uh, Ram. So even if he fails and Lapid succeeds in the same uh, gambit, Netanyahu uh, will not be able, in a very in a realistic way, to undercut um, this. Uh, Dr. Freeman, how do you see this? Well, I think if we look right now at what happened in these elections, we had a low Arab vote, uh, Arab-Israeli vote, a turnout. Uh, in addition, we saw the Arab power in the Knesset uh, go down, a lot of uh, fragmentation. And I think that maybe as a result of what Netanyahu has done, uh, over the last uh, couple of years with the Arab and Muslim world. I think that uh, we have to see, but it looks like maybe even Likud was the party that got the most uh, out of the Arab-Israeli vote of all the other Zionist parties, even more than merits this time around and other in labor even. So I think it's a, a uh, opportunity that uh, Netanyahu knows about. I think that in the end, the Arab population wants to be a part of any kind of government. I think it's very similar maybe to some of the ultra-Orthodox camps that in the beginning said we don't want to be a part of anything, but in the end now they are part of it. Even in the past when they said we will never be a minister and then they became a minister. So I think it's a population that in the end wants to be a part of future government. I think it's something that Netanyahu is looking at and it could really be something that leads to a new uh, form of his government. Former Knesset Lem uh, member Lippmann. I agree that the Arab population probably very much wants to be part of the country's leadership and the government. The problem is that even the Ram party, this party that everyone feels might be able to join with Netanyahu, they have laid out their demands for what would be required for them to join a government. And that includes getting rid of various laws like the nation state law, the Kamenets law, uh, giving some official status to the Bedouin villages that popped up illegally, things that I do not see any right wing government being able to give a stamp of approval to. So those are uh, conditions that make it impossible. So even if the population wants to be part of the government to make demands of the government other than help the Arab population with economic infrastructure, education. Those are very legitimate demands that any government, right wing or left wing, could give into. But at the moment, what they're asking for, I don't see a Netanyahu government being able to give. I do see a Lapid-led government being able to give. But then the right wing of the anti-Netanyahu camp won't be able to join with that either. And that's why I go back to what I said before in terms of the stalemate and even the Arab parties not being able to play the role of kingmakers here. And not to forget, of course, that within uh, Netanyahu's 52 uh, mandates uh, of support, or 51 if uh, uh, you exclude him from this count, uh, there is, of, uh, of course, also Otsmayudit, the, the two uh, uh, members of parliament who joined the religious Zionist uh, in a coalition in order to pass the electoral threshold, uh, Ben Gvir and, and one more, who are uh, openly calling for uh, the the... 
uh, expulsion of all Arabs. They're not willing to work with Arabs. They also promote uh, persecution of Christians in the land, and they're very uh, extremist uh, beyond uh, what Netanyahu is willing to deal with because of the fact that uh, Kahana, their forefather, uh, ideologically speaking, uh, was banned from Israeli politics, of course, under American pressure, uh, which regarded him and his party as a terrorist organization. How do you see something like this uh, actually uh, dealt with from Netanyahu's behalf, considering the fact that also Netanyahu himself said that they cannot be part of any government or any uh, ministerial position, but rather only be part of the coalition to make something like this viable? Well, Netanyahu uh, is not beholden to what he has said uh, during the election campaign or, or at any other time because he is desperately trying to keep his prime ministership during his trial for corruption, which resumes next week and um, will be reported on continuously, probably three sessions in court every week. It is not going to be a good time for him to be out of the prime minister's house. However, you are right. If you have a coalition whereby such people as Bengvir and others can veto any other coalition member or bring down the government if something uh, is not to their liking, it is not a stable government anyway. And uh, right now, um, even the Arab uh, lists, and, and Dov was right, uh, they have a lot of demands which... Uh, uh, perhaps cannot be met by anyone. But if they give up the chance to help from the outside, from the Knesset, but not from the executive branch, if they give up this chance and opt for a fifth round of elections, their electorate may punish them because they had the chance and blew it. So for them too, it's a game of brinkmanship. Right now, we are still in the preliminary stages of negotiations between the various parties. But there will come a time, starting next week, when they have to get serious. And then we will see whether some positions are non-negotiable, irreversible, or can be traded for budgets, portfolios, and the like. Dr. Freeman, I'd like to ask you uh, specifically in light of the, the various analysis just uh, voiced by everyone, and I'd like to get uh, all of your opinions on this specifically. If we're heading now to a fifth election, everything else fails. It means that, uh, technically speaking, whether uh, the prime uh, the outgoing prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, likes it or not, he's not going to remain as a, ca a caretaker uh, prime minister after November, considering the, the fact that uh, the uh, rotation government with uh, the alternate premier and uh, defense minister or the outgoing uh, Benny Gantz is still in effect, which means that he would replace Netanyahu uh, and would remain his replacement until uh, uh, a viable coalition would take uh, effect, which could also take uh, four or five more elections uh, if uh, nothing changes. Uh, what can we actually expect from such a scenario? Well, I think in the end, this could really lead to more and more calls uh, by the public for electoral reform. I think that uh, that could be something that a party takes upon. We saw in this election that no one really brought it upon, uh, for example, to reform 
to limit the number of parties to raise maybe the threshold. People did talk about eight years uh, being prime minister or uh, different things. But in the end, we saw, for example, this election, so many parties entering the parliament, uh, a lot of uh, fragmentation. So even though we see this sort of camp that's united for Netanyahu or against Netanyahu, we see a lot of political parties. This could cause a lot of trouble, not just for those for, who are for Netanyahu, but those who are against. So I think that if we are moving ahead, in the end, we'll have to see what happens. There are various options. But if we do move ahead to fifth election, that could really lead to a party taking upon itself, maybe one of the major parties, to say we are going to do an electoral reform uh, to lead to such a system where we have maybe two or three major parties, try to limit the possibility for such a stalemate or a problem in the future. Mr. Lippmann? Well, one of the things that we have to take note of is that the anti-Netanyahu camp right now in the Knesset does have a majority. There is a Knesset that's going to be sworn in uh, next week, and they can, and they're talking about passing a law which says that you cannot serve as prime minister or run for prime minister if you are under indictment. That's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because they have a majority for that. Can they force the Speaker of the Knesset to bring that to the Knesset floor for a vote? It happened last round and it led to the resignation of a Knesset Speaker because of it. They are talking about doing that again. So we might not even get to the point of Netanyahu running in that fifth election because that majority right now could in theory pass that legislation. That's another piece of the puzzle over here which cannot be ignored. Mr. Owen? Well, that's true. And um, regarding uh, Jonathan's suggestion, one can hardly see the uh, two ultra-Orthodox uh, parties getting together. Uh, they uh, themselves uh, have uh, such differences that in order to pass the new threshold, uh, they would have uh, to unite, they would have uh, to agree on a new uh, leader or number one in, in the list. It's almost impossible. And even if they do, uh, we will see the same fragmentation after the elections. There are so-called technical blocks um, in elections, uh, parties getting to, together in order to bypass the threshold and then uh, being divided again. And um, why would they give uh, their power to someone else? This is the problem that... Uh, parliamentarians have to legislate themselves out of power. They are not going to do it. It's not in their interest. However, when we're looking at what uh, was just said by uh, former Knesset member Lipman, a viable option of, of actually passing a law against an indicted person in office um, is an option. However, from what I hear within uh, various parties, they're not going to, to join this bid because uh, it raises a lot of new challenges that they don't really want to be part of. But, you know, people are speaking about the so-called personalized law. What we have right now is a change in the basic law to government in order for Netanyahu and Gantz to serve as prime minister and alternate prime minister, respectively. So the principle of having a personalized law has been broken for Netanyahu, can be broken against him. All right, well, this is all the time that we have for today, so I'd like to thank Dr. Freeman, uh, former Knesset member Lippmann, and Mr. Owen for being part of today's panel. And I'd like to thank our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.